Hello and welcome to a Friday, January 13th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. <laughs> I think it's unlucky. I don't know what uh, my boy Ramiz will about, but we are here to get lucky tonight as far as looking at our lineups here. And in a 10-game slate, we're going to have no shortage of options to potentially get lucky. And with a number of questionable tags, it looks like there might be a few players that are unlucky and miss out on it. <laughs> Definitely lots to be able to take on here. Excited to talk about it. But Bernice, my guy, we are back here. I know we usually don't jump on the Thursday one, but Keith was nice enough to take on the yeah, Wednesday pod because I had a couple of things here. Uh, for those who aren't uh, you know, always on with me, I actually work for um, outside of my regular job. I do uh, varsity basketball, basically all the scoreboards, all, basically all the operation stuff for uh, one of my guys over there. So anytime they have home games, I pretty much am, am working there. So they had like three games yesterday, a women's team uh, and then two men's teams that were happening. The women's game went to double overtime and it was crazy. It was <laughs> no one wanted to win. But at the end, they would score no buckets for four and a half minutes. And then both of them hit threes back to back to take it to the next overtime. And I'm just like, oh. Hey, <laughs> what, is this? what is it? Let me go home at this point. This is just eating into my uh, life. I'm not getting paid anymore for this. It's just one of those <laughs> things. But as we say, ball is life, man. I just like watching, playing, getting involved in all these different ways. How about you, Ramiz? I mean, g- give the people a little. How's your kind of exposure with basketball? Do you keep yourself uh, involved in any way? Honestly, I've just been doing school, so I haven't got a lot of time and in the, the pandemic. But I'm trying to get back into it. I'm just trying to get back into some shape because, man, whenever you run it on the court for two minutes, I'm out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to get back my stamina, my cardio, then I guess, well, I guess we'll be going to the gym a lot more. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, hey, if you ever uh, find yourself with some free time, maybe I can uh, take you along with me to it as well because you'll get some time to get some runs in as well. And those uh, those varsity boys will put you through, uh, put you through your paces for sure. <laughs> But speaking of putting through the paces, as we said, 10-game slate going on today. We will be going through kind of the important games. As you know, it's hard to be able to really you know, get yourself into a super wide focus when you have so many options to be able to choose from. So we're going to try to go through kind of individual games here, but really just focusing on kind of one or two plays that are really jumping out to us. And then in my case, and I know we were talking off air as well, you know, there's certain matchups that we do just like more than uh, some of the others. And we're going to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit more about that. But just before we get into it, as always, the DFS pass on Sports Ethos is your gateway to be able to get all of the latest information, all of the updates, the live injury report, access to our Discord. So you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock, because with all the questionable tags, with all the potential injuries, Who's the backup? Who's going to be the guy that makes that difference for you when we are looking at such a large slate? Right? You want to be a little contrarian, but at the same time, there's certain chalk you just have to go ahead and eat. So that construction of your lineup, all of that, there's just a certain confidence one gets when you have that ability to kind of shoot the shit, really, with the uh, other pros that have really been doing this day in and day out. So get yourself subscribed onto the Sports Ethos DFS Pass and get yourself that edge that you're going to need. But let's jump right into the games today, and we're going to start off with the New York Knicks 
taking on the Washington Wizards. Now, we are recording this uh, the night before, as always. You know, we set up the DFS primer to be there early in the morning. So we are missing quite a few totals and uh, spreads on here. But really, we have a pretty good idea of how some of these games are going to go. And the New York-Washington one, with Washington playing at home, should be a pretty fast-paced game here. And we do have a couple of injuries to be able to go ahead and take a look at. So really, as far as New York's uh, New York themselves are concerned, they're actually looking pretty good to go. It's the Washington side with uh, Porzingis listed as questionable with his ribs. Bradley Beal confirmed uh, to be out. But we're going to have to see when, in fact, he does get back as he is starting to kind of get his basketball activity going. And Daniel Gafford is also sitting as questionable here. So for me, I'm looking at the mid-tier over here, personally. I'm looking at New York. Again, Mitchell Robinson continues to be the favorite guy for me as far as the New York Knicks are concerned in terms of consistent value. A guy who's really turned his game around the season and pretty much you can lock him in on any game where he's going to get into that low to mid 30 minutes, which he has gotten in four of his last five games there. That he's probably going to be somewhere around 30 plus as far as his DK points are concerned. And as long as his price is sitting in that 5600 in a matchup where not only are the Washington Wizards, even when healthy, not great in terms of protecting the paint, but given the fact that they're likely going to have to run um, Hachimura or Denny Abdia or even the corpse of Todd Gibson to be able to go ahead and actually handle some of that uh, some of that body that Mitchell Robinson gives inside, I just like him in this matchup to be able to do that. And conversely, you know, Denny Abdia is probably the only guy I'm really interested in as far as Washington's concerned. Every time he gets his minutes, he's just one of those guys that can stuff the stat sheet in different ways. 37 DK points in the last game there, played 35 minutes, likely looking at a similar uh, minutes total. Not going to expect 20 rebounds because that was crazy. <laughs> but still, his shot was off, only got nine points in there, and we've seen him regularly get double digits. So I'm liking both of those guys there. Anyone that you're particularly fond of as far as this matchup's concerned? So I'm looking at a, a couple of guys on the Wizards side that's kind of mainly based off who's healthy. So as long as you keep up to date, because I'm looking at this in a rotation, and I'm looking at first thing, this is I think Daniel Gafford is a lock for almost every slate because at 5,200, he's going to grab a lot of rebounds. He's going to grab a lot of easy put bags, just the usual. And if Gafford and uh, Persingas are out, I think you got to go with Taj Gibson's uh, corpse, like you said. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think he'll be able to get you some, not a lot of things, but at 3,500, he'll be able to get you a solid amount of points just based on the minutes he's going to play. And on from the next side, I really like Brunson at 8,400. I think Brunson has been absolutely insane this past stretch. I think I want to see dating back to Christmas, is, he's been hitting over 20 points per game all, since Christmas. And it's been an absolute like, stretch of basketball. And I, I just think... Uh, I don't think it's going to stop when he plays against Washington. I mean, Washington's point guard rotation is Monte Morrison, Dolan Wright. I think uh, the way uh, Jalen Brunson is playing, I think he's really well capable of getting his numbers. Yeah, completely fair. We'll have to see exactly what he ends up doing there. And we'll have to see how close the Washington Wizards can keep it up against the Knicks team that has been quite solid, which is something you wouldn't expect to say. But they've been quite solid for a little while now, so they should be expecting to do pretty well in this matchup there. Moving right on to the second one with the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Indiana Pacers. Now, we just heard from, well, not just heard, as of today, we found out that Tyrese Halliburton is not only out for this game, but we now know that with his sprained left elbow, he's going to be out for at least two weeks in that time, that he's going to be reevaluated, and then we're going to find out just exactly what's going to happen there. But that opens up a lot as far as the rotation is concerned for Indiana, and that's really where you know, in the lineups that I've made, I'm finding that I'm sticking 
two, if not three, Indiana guys, depending on how things are working out. And I'm actually liking how it's working out here. So first and foremost, we know that Miles Turner is also questionable for this game. I do expect that he may be able to actually go ahead and get himself on the floor. But if not, then we'll have to keep an eye out on who they actually end up starting, because between Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, both have shown the ability to put up great numbers in consistent minutes. So it really just comes down to who's going to be the better rotation piece there. But I'm looking at the backcourt here. The backcourt is where I've really found myself liking a lot of these options because I feel there's big upside. Both TJ McConnell and Andrew Nemhard, both these guys who have already in this season shown that ability to be able to put up very, very solid numbers when they get the opportunity to be that lead guard. And especially with Halliburton out and his near 30% usage now going to be uh, petered off between both these guys. There's a lot to like here. We already saw TJ McConnell, who only really started the second half in the last game after after um, Halliburton got injured, played 26 minutes, put up 38 DK points in that game against the Knicks there. And we know that even if his shot is not really his strong point, he's never going to be a big scorer. He just has that ability to be able to rack up dimes in a hurry. And he's a sneaky, good rebounding point guard. It's just annoying where he just kind of like gets in there. It's like a little weasel, just jumps in and he's able to grab what he is. He's just there. He knows what his strength is. He's like a more, I would say, a better Pat Beverly in the sense of being a point guard. Not necessarily as a defender, because that's not what we're talking about here. But in terms of being able to rack up stats, he's in a good position to do that. And Nemhard is, is very much the same way. And if we're asking who between the two have the bigger upside, I'd probably lean towards Nemhard just because, one, the rookie has shown his shot-making ability. He already had one like insane game earlier in the season where he dropped 60 DK points there. But more so than that, in those games where he was able to play more of a lead guard scenario, he was regularly racking up in the mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. So really excited for his opportunity over here. And I like being able to potentially take them both as my guards here and leave that utility slot but that's there and then on the high side because the forward slot is there as well buddy heel is definitely one that you don't want to potentially forget about as well dropped 46 dk points in the last game put up 20 shots 15 three-point attempts in that last game <laughs> in which he hit seven and you know he's just going to have the greenest of green lights in this matchup as well so looking forward to kind of seeing all of that atlanta is absolutely Outside of DeJounte Murray just struggling to defend anything on the perimeter over there. And if they can go at uh, Trey Young as much as possible, I mean, who doesn't love that as a guard? So that's my that's my little rant or my advice, whatever. <laughs> Indiana is where I'm focusing really heavily on here. What about your side? I like Indiana, too. And I kind of uh, basically repeat what kind of you said. I mean, TJ McConnell and Andrew Nemhard are both great options. I also would kind of lean towards Nemhard because I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the scenarios that Maybe Indiana gets blown out, and I don't see T.J. McConnell playing out those late minutes, but I may see Nemhard playing because he want to develop that type of player. And that, that, that was an amazing game, and a, a game played like much different than usual because of how Tyler Salberton plays. And uh, I just think Nemhard at 4,300 getting a lot of value. It's, it's crazy that he's this cheap when the news came out, but I think it's the best way to, I guess, snatch up this opportunity before it's gone because he's, his value is definitely going to go up. In terms of the center rotation, I think... Uh, you know, Jalen Smith is someone you want to keep an eye on with Miles Turner. I think you also spoke on that too. Isaiah Jackson. These are guys that are just cheap options. And I think uh, from the Atlanta Hawks side, I, did, I didn't really like how their lineup was. I did have uh, Jalen Johnson, 3,300, mainly because I think he's their only big man off the bench with Clint Capella's absence. So uh, you can expect him to just have a few minutes and just be able to 
uh, get you some solid DK fantasy points. Yep, fair enough. We'll we'll have to see how that ends up going. And as we both saw, really not too much on the uh, Atlanta side, at least me personally, in terms of really liking it. I think they're all pretty fairly priced. And the upside is just not as high as I would potentially like it in this kind of a slate where I'd be looking for that kind of potential 6x, 7x in a GPP scenario. Obviously, cash games, you can be a little bit more risk averse there. But you just got to gotta go for go big or go home. It's just one of those scenarios. Out <laughs> Moving on to the next game, we have the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Detroit Pistons on here. And this is a, one of the games that we do have the total for. Uh, it is a 232 and a half game with the Pelicans favored to win by four and a half points. Now, as far as who I'm liking on this side, it was really the Detroit area where I was really kind of paying most of my attention as far as potential picks to be able to take it. Uh, as far as injuries are concerned, we know that Marvin Bagley continues to be out. We know that Jalen Duran is also going to be out for this game. Isaiah Stewart is the one who is questionable for it coming in. Uh, we'll have to see if he is able to get over his shoulder soreness and get in because if not, then I'm back on the Nerlens Noel train, man. I just like having his, uh, his option over here. It's just one of those like biases in general. I've always liked Nerlens Noel. I feel like he needs to be in a scenario where he's playing a lot more than he is currently. And altogether, just a lot to like, in my opinion, as far as this matchup is concerned on a New Orleans Pelicans team that does have a little bit more size and, with a Jonas Valanciunas on the other hand, you're going to want something to be able to go ahead and fight against that. So if Isaiah Stewart is in fact out, the Nerlens Noel definitely comes into play for me. And we saw with Nerlens Noel sitting at 3,800, getting an opportunity to be able to play kind of that low to mid 20 minutes, which is really all he needs to be able to get some pretty solid value in terms of what he can offer. Uh, his price has been bumped up a little bit here. He was sitting at that absolute bargain basement 3000, which was to me just an absolute money pick for me to be able to take for a guy who should be able to get anywhere between 20 to 25 on any basis, just because he's so good at being able to rack up blocks and steals in a hurry. We've seen that in the last two games here as well. And in a matchup where he's going to be up against Valanciunas, I hope that he should be able to get those same kind of minutes over here. It really just all comes down to Isaiah Stewart's health. So that'll be kind of my focus on as far as the injury report's concerned. And as I was saying earlier, Hamido Diallo, another one who was able to get up to 26 minutes in the last game, has been shooting immensely well in the last three games, probably a bit over his head. But we've seen in the past as well that he's just one of those guys that had the ability to have a really big night if he can get a shot going early. And I expect that with the Detroit Pistons shorthanded over here, they're going to be looking a little bit more to Hamido Diallo. Now I'm going to leave it to you to talk about Sadiq Bey, right? Because he went ahead and hit <laughs> his value in that game. I'm going to have to what, tip my hat there to you. Well done. You caught you caught Sadiq Bey on a good game. How are you feeling about him this time around? Hey, man, we're on a mixed relationship right now, okay? So I'm having some bad feelings because up until the third quarter, I was like, damn, he's about to be a miss. But he ended up getting nine free throws somehow in the fourth quarter. Sadiq Bey, uh, I still like his value. But the thing about Sadiq Bey is right, how he impacts the game is straight just scoring. And I, I don't know if I can, that's a long-lasting effect that you can really reside on when it comes to Sadiq Bey because you can look at his past two games and it's just been straight points. It hasn't been any rebounds, assists, any steals or blocks really how boost his, his value up. And with Bogdanovich's back, I don't know how much I would really reside into that. So I kind of went with the, the, the Isaiah Stewart route where if he's playing, I think he's going to have a, 
hopefully a great night. <laughs> and then and, and like obviously if he doesn't play, I think you spoke on in Rose Noah is it's an easy easy lock in my opinion for thirty eight hundred just because of how much he may have to play because of Jonas Valanciunas and Willie Hernan Gomez and all the other big men. And then from the Pelican side, honestly, I, it was really tough. I think they're all kind of priced out where you would want to price them. I did have some interest in Jose Alvarado. I, I believe at forty two hundred. He's been playing some great uh, basketball as of late, and uh, that's honestly that's about it. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. And speaking of it being just about it, the next game coming up is the Golden State San Antonio one, and I'm gonna be completely honest here. There is no one that I'm supremely interested in. Just uh, kind of given either a combination of what their price tags are, which I think are pretty fair. Golden State is uh, sitting completely healthy on their end, which kind of just takes away, in my opinion, any real upside based on the uh, the current price tags there. And then, of course, on the on the San Antonio side over there, you're kind of on a lottery on who is actually going to be playing the kind of minutes you'd be hoping for to be able to get uh, the kind of upside to there. Because it could be a Richardson night. It could be a Sohan night. It could be a Zach Collins having another big night over there. So it, there's definitely potential for someone to be able to do well here. But given some of those price tags and some of the guys that I'll be talking about in games coming a little bit later on in the night, I think there's more upside and just a little bit more certainty there. But if you have anyone, by all means, it's uh, floor is yours. I got one person. All right, let me let me cook with this guy. Uh, I got Josh Richardson at 4700. Obviously, he spoke his name, but I think he's only the only veteran presence. I think is probably gonna have some minutes. He's gonna be able to get some easy points. I think some amount of assists, rebounds, and he's not gonna probably get you around those high amount of defense. But I do think he'll be able to get you a solid 25. 28 DK fantasy points, which he has been he has been averaging over the last six games, and uh, I just think uh, if you some want to consider someone, I do think there are better options, but I do like Josh Richardson at 4700. Perfect. Well, we'll see how that ends up going out. But we've been talking up until now, pretty much value. I mean, we really haven't gotten into any mm-hmm. stud plays as of yet, and with the OKC game. Going up against the Chicago Bulls at home. Chicago with DeMar DeRozan officially listed as doubtful. Probably not going to play in that one. And what we have seen as a result is a Zach Levine sighting. In fact, we've seen Zach Levine sightings for the last four games over here where he's pretty much been on an absolute tear. His price tag has been slowly rising up as a result. But again, he's coming up in a matchup over here that has just got high point scoring written all over it. We've seen OKC just continue to be a team that just hangs around, wins games out of nowhere, where it just is what it is. But what <laughs> is known is that they're going to be pesky, they're going to stick around, and they're going to make it a high scoring game all the way up. And Zach Levine, even though his price has gone up to 9200 there's just anytime DeMar is out and you know Levine is going to be that guy who's going to get to be pretty much that focal point of the offense – He's going to put up anywhere between 21 to 28 shots as he put up in that Washington game over here. Like he is just going to be shooting from everywhere. The green lights. He's going to put up double digit three point attempts. So there's just a lot to like for my studs here. And I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say it of all the studs that I'm going to talk about tonight. Levine is probably my favorite just based on kind of combination of his price as well as his potential upside in the matchup. I like uh, his ability to be able to attack the perimeter. He's bigger than pretty much anyone they're going to be throwing out there on the perimeter with him. And of course, he's got that shooting touch that just once he's on, he's on. So for all the Chicago fans, 
I don't know how you guys feel about Levine. I keep getting like mixed reactions that come out, <laughs> you know, how the team's going. But on this given night, I think Zach Levine is going to have a monster, monster outing. I can I can't do anything but agree with you. I mean, Zach Levine is a walking bucket, but I think the reason Chicago Chicago Bull fans have that type of feelings towards him is because he usually can't stay on the floor. But as long as he's on the floor without Demar, I think Zach Levine, with, like you said, his past four games have been absolutely insane, and he's been playing 40 minutes. So you love to see it when the stars playing 40 minutes. He's getting those amount of shots, and perfectly goes into our into our play. I also like uh, Kobe White at 3800 because I was looking at uh. I think last game they faced uh, the Wizards. And I'm like, there has to be someone else going besides Levine and, uh, and Vucevic. And Kobe White was that third guy. So I think Kobe White, uh, he's going to get his shots. He's, I mean, he has to. I mean, you can't rely on uh, the, the Alex Crusoe. So I think at 3,800, Kobe White has a lot of upside and bring you a lot more value than you would think. I think if you want a, a low-risk, uh, high-ceiling type player, I think Kobe White out of this whole slate is probably your best option with 3,800. All right, fair. Yeah, you're, you're right. We're going to be needing some more of that offense. That being said, Vucevic is around, so that can, of course, take a little <laughs> bit of that away as well. But we'll see how that ends up going. Moving right on to the Phoenix and Minnesota mm-hmm. game. This is just a sea of red as far as Phoenix is concerned. So we're going to be going back to our old favorite, Dwayne Washington, at this point, sitting at 5,000, <laughs> probably the only real healthy body out there with Mikhail Bridges. But just, just Devin Booker's out. Chris Paul's out, Cam Johnson's out, Cam Payne is out, Andrew Shamit is out, Jay Crowder is out. At this point, you're pretty much out there rolling with DeAndre Ayton, who's questionable. We don't know, but likely I'm going to say that he'll probably find a way to get himself on the floor. Mikhail Bridges is there, Dwayne Washington, Torrey Craig, and we got a Dario Saric sighting in the last game there. So of those guys, I'm just going to go ahead and just <laughs> stick with my Dwayne Washington Right, 5,000 point guard, shooting guard eligibility. That shooting guard is the nice side of it. You can go ahead and slot him into those kind of scenarios there. And even though he didn't really set the world on fire in that Denver game where you know, only played 24 minutes because it was a bad blowout, still got somewhere near 20 DK points over there. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where his floor is pretty well secure over here, just given the fact that there's no one really else that I would consider myself as being a reliable rotation piece. And then you just have a lot of shooters there to try to get a little bit of uh, that off-ball hand on him. So Damian Lee will probably be standing in the corner trying to get a couple of shots up. Torrey Craig will be doing the same thing. Sarge will be doing the same thing. But they're going to be running a lot through Dwayne Washington and maybe even a little bit more of Mikhail Bridges taking an offensive option. But we just don't know which Mikhail Bridges will show up. Is it going to be the 52 DK point guy that showed up against Golden State? Or is it going to be the no-show that ended up happening against Denver? And then outside of that just kind of ends up in that little... 30 in between. So I just, I, I don't know. I, I find myself in a scenario where it's hard to pick when I get a good Mikhail Bridges game. So I just end up avoiding him more often than not. <laughs> but you tell me, is there, uh, is there any guy on both of these sides that you're really into? There is a guy I really like, and that's mainly because of the abundance of injuries that the Suns are dealing with. And I, that's Stephen Lee. This is a guy that they recently signed. He came from the G League, but I just think he had 15 minutes against Denver and it's, I just think he has a chance to... I mean, Dwayne Washington is the only other point guard, so I think he's going to get some minutes. And uh, at 3,200, you're not really losing a lot. Honestly, from the upside value, I mean, uh, I'm talking about the other guys, Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ian. I mean, you mentioned that these guys, uh, you just don't know how they're going to play. I mean, DeAndre Ian is the guy I was looking at his stats against the Rudy Gobert this season, and he, he, was just, he was quiet, to be honest. And then Mikhail Bridges, that's the thing about Mikhail Bridges, right? These, sometimes he can 
he can do wonders for your team, but at the end of the time, he's, he's used to just being that guy who helps out at Devin Brook and Chris Paul. So without those guys, I don't know how much his, he can bring that value to. Uh, on the other side, uh, Minnesota, I just like uh, I like I like Jaden McDaniels, 4900. Same scenario with the Suns, where I think the guys are kind of priced out to where they are valued. And uh, if you want someone with upside, I think Jaden McDaniels is the only good show. Yeah, that's fair. And the only other real thing is that Anthony Edwards is questionable coming into this game over here. So we're going to have to see if, in fact, you know, he's not going to be able to make it on the floor. If that is the case, then I may be a little bit more interested in someone like Jalen Noel. We saw, you know, get into those 30 minute marks when Anthony Edwards is out, kind of becomes their first guy off the bench to really be their kind of primary scorer. So if he's in a scenario where he could put up 16 shots as he did uh, kind of during that time where he was getting more of those opportunities, could be a potential contrarian play to throw out there with a little bit of upside. We're down to the last three games then on the night, and now we're getting into the late night mm. hammers. We got Orlando starting off here going into Utah. We do have a game total for them, 232.5, with the Utah Jazz favored to win by 5.5 over here. Now, from an Orlando perspective, we are kind of on a weird scenario as far as rotations concerned. Really outside of uh, Paolo Banquero, who you know is going to play minutes, and, and Wendell Carter Jr., who's been kind of playing his uh, consistent slot of minutes, everyone else has been a little bit iffy on there. I mean, you've got Wagner doing his thing. He just doesn't, he just priced up at a very point where I just don't see much upside in what he's doing. So really the only upside play, if you uh, think that he's going to have a good night, is either either Bulbul, if you think he's going to play 30 minutes and get a lot of blocks in, in his time, but he wasn't used in the last game over, so it's just a weird... I, I don't know. Is Bobo just not going to play? Markel Fultz, 6,100. He's been able to establish himself as the lead guard, played 37 minutes in the last game, but he could very easily end up at 25 minutes on the other one. So there's just too many question marks for me to really like anyone from Orlando. But on the on the Utah side, I'm just going to go ahead and keep sticking with my guy, Walker Kessler. <laughs> my guy, Walker Kessler, just continues to be one that I find myself taking. Obviously, he hasn't uh, lit the world on fire in the last game against Cleveland. Had a very good one against Memphis before that. And like I said, his his floor is pretty secure, uh, given with the Olenek's uh, extended injury at the moment. Uh, he's probably going to be able to get somewhere close to 30 minutes there. We know his upside when it comes to blocks itself. Uh, with Orlando's kind of bigger front court, they're going to need a little bit of seven-foot magic that Walker Kessler is able to throw out there. So I expect that they're going to be using him that little bit more in this matchup. He probably will get an opportunity to be able to take on more of Orlando's kind of paint attack because they are a terrible three-point shooting team, and most of the points either do come in the paint or in that mid-range area. So more of an opportunity for Kessler to contest more shots, hopefully rack up some blocks to go around with his uh, likely double-digit rebound. So... Really the only major piece that I'm looking at. That being said, we do know that uh, Colin Sexton was able to make, uh, is going to be making his way back on the floor on this game against the Magic. But we just don't know if there's going to be you know, any sort of restrictions on his playing time with his first game back in about two weeks or uh, how the split is going to happen as far as his kind of minutes are concerned. But given the fact that uh, Utah really do need that little bit of offense that he offers much more than a Nikhil Alexander-Walker who's just brick city every time he goes ahead and plays, a little bit of efficient scoring from Sexton would be nice. I just don't know if it's 4,500 worth to me to jump into this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I think uh, that's kind of what drifted me away from the guard play in, in, in Utah because uh, with Colin Sexton's arrival, you wonder how 
if Nikola Alexander Walker's gonna get minutes, does Jordan Clark's minutes go down? How is that gonna affect the rotation? So I kind of stuck with honestly what we talked about last time. Walker Kessler <laughs> at five thousand. I think uh, against a heavy front front court heavy team in Orlando, so he's gonna get his usual thirty minutes. And uh, as long as you know he can he can just get his do his thing, get some ten rebounds, six assists, he'll always get his value. And then you're you're relying on his blocks, you know, his uh, this other aspect of the game that he can help you boost his value. And another on the Magic side, I'm going for him again. I'm going for Paolo Banquero. I think at Paolo Banquero 8300, I, I just think he's he's kind of been doing it really good in the sense that like, for example, his last game against Portland, he was five for 16, but still got you 42 DK fantasy points. So he got you points, rebounds, he got you a block, he got you three steals. I think that's what's really nice when you see a player not being able to score the ball as heavily as he usually does, but still getting those DK fantasy points. And uh, so that's why I'm sticking with uh, Paolo Banquero at A300 again. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, never uh, never a bad pick to be able to go. I just Again, it just goes back to that upside scenario, right? So if he can if he can shoot better, but it's been a massive roller coaster as far as his season's concerned. Still, rookie of the year for sure, though, <laughs> until now. <laughs> So we move on into the last two games of the night, both of them happening at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Denver taking on the L.A. Clippers to be able to start here. And for one of the rare times in the season, we have Nikola Jokic sitting as questionable in this game. He is uh, dealing with a right wrist injury. Question about the moment is just listed as injury management, but we're going to have to see if he is able to go ahead and make his way onto the floor with that one. Because if not, Jamal Murray... He's probable for the game, so he's likely going to be playing. We saw him go ahead and put up 29 shots the last time when they played the <laughs> Lakers last time. And we all remember how much Jamal loves the Clippers <laughs> from mm-hmm. the bubble onwards. And he just everyone remembers. That. So everyone <laughs> remembers that. Jamal Murray has had two games this season as well against the Clippers where he shot effectively 51% from the field, 50% from three, 35.8 DK points in only 27 minutes. And he's likely going to be going back to his regular kind of mid to high 30s now because he's definitely back fully as far as his fitness is concerned outside of uh, this uh, questionable tag obviously sitting over here if Jokic is out Murray is an absolute lock for me 6700 is an incredible price tag for a guy who has the upside to be able to drop 50 in any sort of a matchup where he really gets to go off from his offensive perspective and then everyone else will just kind of follow if there's one kind of weakness to Jamal Murray's game is that he's not really a natural point guard. So I would say if he's just purely leading the offense, you're likely not going to get as much upside for some of these other potential pieces who may have otherwise been a little bit of interest. So, you know, Aaron Gordon, a Bones Highland, Michael Porter, all of them sitting at pretty, pretty interesting price tags over there. But really if Jokic is out, it's really just Zeke Naji that I'll be looking at outside of, uh, outside of Jamal Murray, just from a perspective of he'll likely get the opportunity to start. Uh, we'll see him just be a little bit more of a guy to throw at Zubats, which is where uh, you're going to see the uh, Clippers try to counter with uh, with a little bit more size if Jokic is not there. But let's let's see how that goes. And as far as the Clippers are concerned, man, I just I can't work out their rotation. Their rotation is just so <laughs> weird to me. They obviously have so many bodies to be able to throw out there. And you get Covington playing 30 minutes one night, coach DNP the other night, back to 31 minutes again, and then uh, uh, I don't know. Is he going to have about Norman Powell? Yeah, Norman Powell. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's just an odd, odd scenario. And I like I like them from a <laughs> upside perspective. But then I don't. I just throw it out there. But I am going to say that just from a contrarian standpoint, I do find myself 
thinking that they are going to play a little bit more Covington in this matchup. They, they definitely need the perimeter defense, especially with Paul George officially listed as out on this matchup with his hamstring continuing to deal with that for four straight games. And uh, Kawhi Leonard is really going to be their only other major perimeter defender uh, going on in this one because... Yeah, it's just a scenario where Covington definitely needs to play more. That's just me ranting at the Clippers in general. <laughs> Ugh, don't like it. I love Covington. He needs to play more. But 3,300, he's got so much upside for what he can do. If he can play anywhere between 20 to 25 minutes even, he should be able to get you mid-20s as far as DK points are concerned just from his ability to rebound and block. So lots of upside there. The only guy I'll really be pushing on outside of maybe uh, a little bit of Norman Powell if I feel like being a bit frisky. I, I think every time you go for it, you kind of just take the players that I've been trying to look forward to. Because I'm, I'm also going for Jamal Murray and Zeke Naji. Okay. Because I, 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 don't, I don't think Jokic is going to play. I just think uh, I think they're probably going to be safe with it because they're thinking long-term. True. But uh, Jamal Murray, I mean, you spit everything. He's got the, the history back in his head. Uh, 67-100, I think, is also a good value with the upside that Jamal Murray can bring. And then Zeke Naji, just based on the, the fact that it's either him or DeAndre Jordan. So <laughs> pick your poison. So I there think you go. Zeke Naji <laughs> at 3,000. Uh, so I also, on the Clippers side, I went with him last time, and he hit for me, and I'm going to go for him again. And it's Kawhi Leonard at 9,900. Mm. I think that besides Levine, I think he's probably the other highest guy that I'm going for. I just think Kawhi, without Paul George, and like you said, the Clippers have no idea what the rotation is. Neither does Tyron Lue. So I, I do think one thing is for certain that Kawhi is going to get a lot of minutes. And because the Clippers aren't really a good team. I mean, in hindsight, they should win this game without Jokic. But they're going to make the game close. And I think Kawhi is going to have a huge factor in just having a, a huge night. I mean, the past two games without Paul George, he's had huge nights. And I don't think uh, I think this, he's, this is going to be kind of a repeat of last game. Yeah, we'll have to see how that ends up going. And... Last one, and last but not least, you got Houston taking on the Sacramento Kings on here. A 235 game total with the Sacramento Kings favored to win by 10. So a bigger uh, point spread coming through here. Uh, that's probably being led by the fact that uh, Kevin Porter has already been ruled out for this game. Had this like weird collision with the teammate, uh, with Jishon Tate actually, and then just yeah, messed up his left foot as a result. So we'll have to hopefully not have him out for too long because... Houston definitely needs that, but I'm going to let you go first here because I know who I like from the Houston side, but tell me, who are you potentially looking at as far as this matchup is concerned? I get to go first. I'm going to go with the guy who started in the second half of the game with Kevin Porter Jr. out, and that was KG Martin. I think KG Martin is usually the guy to kind of lean towards when there isn't, uh, when there's an injury, I mean, over, I believe, him and Tari Eason. And I also like the big man, Alperen Sigun. Alperen Sigun is an interesting player. But what really appealed to me in this uh, about his game is that he's there's times where like this last game against Sacramento, uh, I mean speaking of Sacramento, but he had 10 points, he had 10 assists, he had 10 rebounds. But you can go back down the list and you'll see these games where like he doesn't get you a lot of points, but he's gonna get you rebounds, he's getting you assists. He's he's just been a really nice player, and I, I think at 6900, and a game that they're probably gonna play him a lot more because of how because it's a bonus. I think Alperen Sengun is due for a good night. Yeah, I like it. And, I mean, I was definitely talking to KJ Martin on that side there, but really on the Sacramento side of things, uh, I'm looking at my other stud on the night over here, which is DeMontis Sabonis. So, you know, you spoke about Kawhi being your guy on there. Sabonis is going to be my only other stud that I'm looking at outside of Zach Levine here. 
obviously coming off an incredible match against them in the previous one, put a 55 and a half on that one. Uh, Nine of 12, they couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop them on the inside and they're not going to be able to stop them on the inside this game as well. Uh, The Sacramento Kings are just playing at a super, super high level at the moment. And on top of that, Sabonis is making his case to be and not only an all-star, but potentially an all-star starter, depending on how uh, things actually work out here. So it's interesting. It's a, it's a really interesting case to see how it goes. But Sacramento looking to make their first playoffs after, what, 16 years last I checked? So it's getting all come on the uh, on the back of uh, a Sabonis-led team over here. And for him, in this matchup, with this price tag, and the fact that uh, it'll be a high-scoring game regardless of how things go, I expect that he'll still be able to play his uh, his regular allotment of minutes. Think about it. In a 20-point blowout, he still played 38 minutes. So clearly Sacramento has no problem rolling out uh, Sabonis as needed. And they believe in his health and they believe in uh, him being the leader of this team alongside Fox. So 10-6, sign me up. A center who can... Uh, I think it's a good show. Guy too. I just want to add on. I mean, I was looking at his uh, style. He's been absolutely... I mean, you got to go back to December 14th. From December 14th till now, he's only had two games where there's been under 50 DK fantasy points. He's been an absolute chair. I love that pick for you. There you go. Well, that would bring us to the end of the picks over here. As we said, it's a 10-game slate. There are so many questionable tags and so many things that can potentially change going into the night itself. So get yourself onto that Sports Ethos DFS pass. Get yourself talking to the pros to really see what could potentially change on there and make sure to keep an eye out. But just before we head on out from here, we are, of course, going to be talking about the Thrive Fantasy side of things over here. And just as you have a 10-game slate, you have a ton of options to potentially go through over here. And funny enough, both of these uh, picks that I'm going are not guys that I was actually talking about as players that I'm taking on the DFS side here. But I just think they're nice options to be able to take. First of all, it's in that Golden State and San Antonio game, Jakob Pertl. One and a half blocks and steals to be over that for 95 points. Jakob has just been on on fire as far as his stocks are concerned. Five blocks in the last game, uh, two steals in the game before that, three blocks, two steals the game before that as well, and hasn't had a game where he's below one and a half blocks all the way since the new year started here. So altogether, just a great matchup for him to continue doing that. He's just is one of those guys that uh, has that knack for being able to rack those up in a quick hurry, and I like him to be able to do that. And then secondly, this is on the Orlando game, and much as I am not taking Markel Fultz for his 6,100 price tag, I still do think that 16.5 points and assists is a very, very achievable mark for him in a matchup that should be fast-paced over here. Again, played 37 minutes in the last game. Even if he's not playing that and he's more in the kind of mid to high 20s range, he still is very comfortably beating out that points and assists total. He hasn't had a game below 17 points and assists, and I would have to go all the way back to December 28th for him to have done that as well. So clearly the lead guard on this team, clearly the guy who's going to be getting at least six to seven dimes. So it's just him getting somewhere close to double digits as far as points are concerned, and he's taking enough shots to do that. I, I I agree. I, I had that on my, on my list as well. Mark defaults over 16 total points and assists. I think that I was looking at his past stats, and I mean, he's been able to get you 14 and 6 pretty comfortably. So I think uh, 16.5 over is, is not too much of a difficult task. The other two I went with were on rebounds, both on uh, over on Nikola Vucevic and Julius Randle. Uh, Nikola Vucevic's case, I think uh, 
in the game against OKC, I mean, uh, Wizards, that they didn't have a... Uh, DeMar, he played 39 minutes, and he's been able to average more than... Uh, I want to say, before you confuse it, more than 13 rebounds. So I think uh, Vucevic at that price, I think he's one of those guys I think you can get more than 100 points. So And then the other option was Julius Randle. I also went over 11.5 rebounds. Julius Randle, similar case, has been averaging 38 minutes these past six games. He's been a beast. And uh, I just think uh, in this type of game, he's, I don't think he like Isaiah Hardenstein or Jericho Simpson enough to play them a lot. So they have been experimenting Julius Randle at the five, and he's been able to grab a lot, a lot of rebounds. Mm. Yeah, completely fair. Both of those are, are nice calls there and a good rebounding matchups for them to go ahead and take that. But that brings us to the end of what was a pretty packed slate on there. No doubt we tried to keep it uh, nice and small, but that's just how it goes. But as always, you can catch us on Twitter, myself at HAK underscore devil, where you can always catch me on the DMs, catch me with the uh, latest Ask the Pros on there as well. You can catch some of us on Discord with that too. And Ramiz, where can the good people find you on Twitter as well? They can also find me at two nice and I'll be spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. Gotcha. Well, as always, great to have you guys always with us. Make sure that you keep listening, get yourself subscribed, like uh, on our podcast as well, and get yourself once again onto that Sports Ethos DFS Pass. But until then, we will see you on the next one. Let's go out and kill some tournaments.